Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to Where Is Bruce Shula? This is episode two, Tsunami. My name is Graham Crowley. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast has been created for an adult audience, so listener discretion is advised. There is discussion about death. The thoughts and opinions in the podcast are mine. In episode one, we heard of the remote location and the principal players involved surrounding the actual disappearance of Bruce Shuler. Tsunami is a word that for many Australians pre-2004 was relatively unknown. The Boxing Day tsunami educated Australians as to the potential for a tsunami to devastate entire regions. Courtesy of TV, news reporters and people with video cameras and mobile phones. How does that relate to Bruce Shuler? With a murder case, it is very easy to think of it as simply involving one victim. The deceased, obviously. Any death has a ripple effect through the community and ultimately touches the lives of many people and families. When it is a violent death, it is even more so. When there is no body, as in this case, it takes it to the next level. Whilst Bruce Schuler will always be the true victim in this mess, there are so many other innocent victims. The extended Schuler family, especially widow Fiona, daughter Lisa and son Bruce, have been suffering daily for 11 years now. Bruce and Fiona have four grandchildren. Bruce was one of five children. They all have their own families. His father and stepmother are still alive. The entire extended Shuler families have all experienced the pain of Bruce's disappearance. 
The same equally applies to the extended families of Stephen Struber and Diane Wilson. Diane was one of eight children. Stephen was one of nine children. Whilst Diane never had children, Stephen had four children from a previous marriage. Those extended families live with the daily shame that comes with a family member being convicted of murder. And worse, the killers are refusing to give up the body. The Struber and Wilson families live with the ongoing news cycle of the search for Bruce. And of course, the three prospectors. Some or all are likely suffering survivor guilt, or worse. The coulda, woulda, shoulda moments. The doubts and questions. Perhaps we shouldn't have continued prospecting after the shootings. Maybe we should have rung the cops at 10am instead of 7.15pm. But hindsight is always twenty twenty, isn't it? I look at this murder and consider it tore through the North Queensland communities like a tsunami. And it will take a long time to heal. I thank all family members who have willingly spoken with me. It must be extremely difficult for all concerned. On both sides of the fence, so to speak. And everyone I speak with has a firm opinion as to the guilt or innocence of the convicted killers. There is no in-between. No doubt. At least there didn't appear to be any doubt, and I wasn't aware of any, until I asked people if they had doubts. Theories were provided. Allegations were made. Fingers were pointed. Fiona Split has been very gracious and patient with me, as I ask and probe relentlessly. Thanks, Fiona. And her daughter, Lisa, has been similarly kind and gracious. I recently spoke with both of them. Thanks for joining me today, ladies. Thanks for having us, Gray. Let me start by expressing my condolences for your loss. Um, the fact that you have not got Bruce's remains must make it more difficult for you to move on. Fiona, it's been 11 years since your husband disappeared. Do you ever think about giving up looking for him? Never. Never will I give up looking for him. Can you tell me the situation as it currently stands, Fiona, regarding efforts to find uh, Bruce? Um, currently, we are in touch with the Palmerville Station owners and we occasionally go out there and wander around looking in different spots that become of interest to us. Um, the recent one was end of September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, end, end of September that we were out there. We have to wait, obviously, for wet seasons and stuff right. like that to be able to go out there. Yep. And it's just a matter of walking around and looking and hopefully the since the Palmerville Station's been sold and they have opened it up to prospectors, Hopefully somebody will come across something and let us know. Yes, um, that would be a bonus. In 2019, you placed four signs leading onto uh, Palmville Station. Is that correct? Yes. Are they still up? Yes. Have they produced any results? No, we haven't had really anything come from them, no. Or not just, yet. It's just making them aware. Yeah, yeah, not yet anyway, hey. Hmm. Um, 
you've just mentioned Palmville's been um, sold and thrown open to prospectors, eyes on the ground. I, I think that's a great initiative. The more the merrier, I think. Um, sooner or later, someone may see something, may spot something. You, yeah. As, you agree? Hopefully, when they do see something, they don't just push it aside and think, I don't want to get involved. Hopefully, they will come forward. Um, they can come forward anonymously or contact Crime Stoppers. Just a GPS point is all we need, mm. and then they don't even need to be involved. Most people who go up to Palmville would have a GPS location device with them, I expect, so it wouldn't be hard to uh, just get a GPS point and uh, pass it on, would it? Yeah, and most phones have it now these days too. True, true. You have a Facebook page styled Justice for Bruce Shuler. I guess any people with information could contact you via that page. Is that right? They can or Messenger. Or My Messenger. phone number is on brochures that are is at the Palmerville um, campgrounds. Okay. Or through Crime Stoppers, one 800 0 or crimestoppersqueensland.com.au. I'll put those details on the um, on the show notes, uh, Fiona and Lisa, so yep. that people, if they do need them or do want to look them up, they can. We've spoken about a reward. There's no reward out there, is there, for um, Bruce's location? No. I have asked this question before and have been told that because the case is cli- uh, there's been a trial and a verdict that you can't get a reward. I don't necessarily agree with that. I believe there is a possibility you could have a reward, a state government reward. I urge you to speak to your local member to get clarification on that. You did mention that Bruce's name is not on the Australian Missing Persons Register. And again, I believe that his name should be there. One of my goals, um, Fiona and Lisa, with my podcast, I have a few goals, but one of the goals is to raise the awareness of Bruce being missing and get people talking about it. It's, it's been my experience. People talking and sharing experiences leads to information flowing. Let's hope that something comes of it. If there is a reward hosted, prospectors up there may not find gold, but they may strike it lucky with a reward. Who knows? At least it's a, a thought anyway. Bruce um, had a registered mining lease on Palmerville. Is that correct? Yes. Did he have that for long before he went missing? No, he um, he bought the mining lease and he was building a shed on it so that he could encourage me to go there more often. And so he basically had just finished building that shed and getting it to a livable condition and had just started prospecting up there. What year did he um, buy that lease, do you recall? Either 10 or 11. Yeah, 2010. 2010 or 2011. How many times had Bruce gone up there prior to his disappearance offhand, do you think? Oh, probably 10, yeah. From what I understand, he enjoyed prospecting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like being in the bush. Yeah. On any of those expeditions or trips up to Palmville, had he experienced any trouble with uh, Stephen Struber or Diane Wilson? No, not at all. Yeah, when we lived in Cooktown, 
we knew of Diane and Stephen through dealings that they had with the council and stuff like that and and different people, Telstra. So we knew about those stories. Yep. So we knew there were people that you don't really go near. Yeah. Bruce wasn't worried. He he was happy to still buy a lease up there. Yeah, so Palmerville is in one area. The R16 where the leases are are a different area. Oh, right. So, yeah, so the only time you really had trouble with Drubas with when you were on Palmerville. I think his lease was about three hours' drive from Palmerville. Oh, was it? Away. If he's got this mining lease up there and it's three hours away from Palmerville, why would he go prospecting on Palmerville? The biggest attract- attraction in those days was nobody could get onto Palmerville and that's where the gold was apparently. Right, and no one could get on because of uh, Struber and Wilson's yeah. objectionable yeah. behaviour. Is that the case? Yeah. Yep. It was sort of like a carrot there. It was dangling away. and Yeah, and that's exactly what happens with gold detectorists. You dangle a carrot, they will come. Right. Did Bruce tell you he was going to go prospecting on Palmerville that trip, or were you expecting that he'd be working his lease? Um, he did tell me he was going camping with the two, Danny and Tremaine. He didn't actually tell me where he was going. And it was just so happened that Rusty had turned up unexpectedly the night before. So that's how Rusty was involved as well, or Kevin Ross. Were you surprised when you found out that this happened on Palmerville? Yes. Because you expected him to be working his lease. Is that the case? I expected he was be working his lease or pottering around doing the shed or something, yes. Yeah, because I wasn't sure why or how they got onto Palmville and I wasn't clear on that, so that's okay. The frustrating thing about them being on Palmerville now that we know this is Danny and Tremaine had had altercations with Struber and Wilson the week before. So why they took Bruce and Rusty to this particular spot, I don't I don't understand. Yeah, why would and you? And Bruce and Rusty didn't know about it. Why would you? If these people are threatening and, and using weapons and, and dangerous, why would you go looking for trouble? Mm. Mm. When Bruce was prospecting or when he was up there on, on the lease, was there an arrangement in place about how often you guys would talk or contact each other or whether it was anything like that? There was a, a landline up there. Oh, what, so what, to Bruce's, would, to Bruce's, um, yeah, lease. Oh, okay. Line, yeah. So he would ring me at, at least once a day, but he had told me that he was going, he'd rung me the night before and told me he was going camping and he probably wouldn't talk to me till, probably wouldn't, he wouldn't speak to me till Tuesday. So I wasn't expecting a call from him Monday. Did Bruce have a sat phone? Yes, he did, but it was in the car. Right. And he hadn't called you on the sat phone? No. And there was no missed calls? No. When you spoke with uh, Bruce, Fiona, there was no concerns? There was no issues? No. He he seemed happy and he was fine that he was getting to go camping and detecting and stuff like that. Explore new areas, as he put it. Look, this may be a difficult question, but I, I need to ask it. Do you have an idea why... Struber and Wilson 
killed Bruce? Uh, my belief is they were looking for someone else. Bruce was the wrong person. And who would that person have been? Um, Danny or Tremaine. Because the older yeah, they the all before. wore the same, yeah, yeah. same clothes, similar okay. clothes. Is that your thought too, Lisa? One of them. I still struggle this many years later as to what makes sense because none of it really makes sense in my head. But yeah, I've made up quite a few stories in my own head, I suppose. You don't have any firm idea why they killed him. No, it doesn't no. make sense at all. For me. It doesn't make sense to me either. They have this long history of abuse, threatening, perhaps even using firearms, but they haven't actually killed anyone up until this point that I'm I'm aware of. Oh, that, that, has, that has been announced. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. They've taken it to the next level with, with shooting Bruce, haven't they? Because there was witnesses. Because there was witnesses that they shot him or because there was witnesses that he was caught? No, but... because they at the time they didn't know that there was witnesses with Bruce. Okay, yep. So, you know. Listeners may not be aware of the Corrective Services No Body, No Parole Amendment Bill 2017. Can you just uh, talk us through through that, please? Basically, if you do not cooperate with the police from the word go, from the time you're arrested or the time you've spoken, to regarding a missing body, it works on a merit system. So if you talk, if you cooperate right from the beginning, you get a tick in the box, basically. So when your parole comes up, the parole board will look, yes, they have cooperated. If by chance that somebody's body is located through that cooperation, that's even a bigger tick in their box. So there's nothing to stop if the body has been found and they've come up for parole, there's nothing to stop them being given parole, basically. If you do not say anything, do not cooperate throughout the years, the time of your sentence and things like that, that is a cross in your box, basically, because you haven't cooperated. When your parole comes up, you will not be given parole. So you go back to the system and wait till your next time. I'm not 100% sure on what happens when, if, for an example, we found Bruce, what would happen to Struber and Wilson when parole came up. Is it too late for them to put their hand up and say where Bruce is in terms of parole, or don't you know? Um, no, they can put their hands up and say where he is, definitely. Do you have any idea why they won't say where Bruce is? you want my gut feeling on that one? I want whatever you're happy to tell me. My gut feeling is that Bruce is not alone. There are other bodies. That body is the or... only reason, yep, there's other bodies with him. That is the only reason I can come up with why they will not cooperate and tell us where he is. Do you have any idea who these other remains belong to? No. I've read Robert Reed's book, I, I assume you have. Yep. He left it in no doubt that he was, he believed uh, Struber and Wilson were guilty. But when he spoke to Diane Wilson, it seemed to me he did a 180 about face and he actually thought she was telling the truth. Did you get that feeling when you read that? Initially, I think Robert did believe that. But I think as time went on, he was convinced 
that she wasn't telling him the truth. I'll ask Robert anyway when I speak with him. Mm -hmm. I've written to Diane and she replied to me. Um, And she basically just said in the whole letter that it wasn't her, it was the other people out there. Right. And did did she say anything about Stephen Struber? No. There was no mention of Stephen in the letter, but... Have you written to Stephen at all? Uh, I tried, but I didn't get a reply. We actually, we did write in the beginning and it got returned to sender from him. So he hadn't even opened it? No. I watched Monty Dwyer's interview of Stephen Struber, which he filmed two months before Bruce went missing. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I was actually quite surprised. The media, there was talk of deliverance and uh, Wolf Creek and other bodies and things like that. But he actually appeared quite rational during that interview. I, from what I've heard, I, I thought Monty was quite brave going out there unannounced and interviewing him, but he seemed quite calm and quite rational, which, as I say, surprised me. He's the greatest one man living. Right. I intend to speak with the relatives of both Stephen and Diane and see if they will now speak with them and see if they've changed their mind. They've, As far as I'm aware, the last time they were spoken to was by Robert Reed in about 2018. Are you aware of any approaches after that to either of them? Um, no. So that's four years after the nobody, no parole uh, legislation came to play. So they've had plenty of time to reconsider their position, which is rather difficult. As mm. you know, as it currently stands, they're, they're going to die in prison. It's They've been given a death sentence. So you'd think that they um, have got had plenty of time to reconsider their position. But anyway, I intend to speak to the families and see if they'll speak mm-hmm. to them to see what their position is now in relation to it. I will announce the results of that in the podcast so you can hear that. Yeah. I'd like to talk to you about the three amigos. That is the, the three prospectors that were with Bruce. <laughs> Really? Um, <laughs> like their evidence was pivotal to the conviction. I understand Bruce and Kevin were long-time friends. Is that the case? Yep. They met in Cooktown and they've known each other for at least 20 years. And you stay in touch with Kevin? Yes. How often would you talk to him? Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Lisa saw him on the weekend. Oh, did you? Yep. So it's fairly... Yeah. Fairly regular contact you have with Kevin? Initially it was while I was in Cooktown because he comes backwards and forwards to Cooktown. He would always pop in when he was in Cooktown. Now I'm sort of a bit out of his way, so it's not as regular. How long had you known Dan and Tremaine Anderson before July? I had never met Tremaine. And I had met Danny once okay. within six months of them going. You. And I had only met Danny once out at Dad's mining lease. I think when I was going out there to visit Dad, Danny was there one afternoon. I think they might have been planning the camping trip or something. Do you stay in contact with Dan or Tremaine, Fiona? If I need to contact Dan, I do. Tremaine, he won't even look at me. He'd rather talk to Lisa. <laughs> Why won't he look at you? But, yeah, tell me. Is it guilt or I don't know. 
Are you in contact with either of them, Lisa? No, but I've, like I said, I made up a lot of stories in my head. I would like to sit down with them one day and nut out my stories that I have in my head. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I just really struggle with the storyline of things. It just doesn't make sense in my head. Danny saw the car, I believe, and Tremaine said that he'd saw someone get out with a gun and then they'd heard gunshots and they knew where Dad was and then they sort of fluffed around and gold detected back to camp and then called the station homestead and fluffed around a bit more and I don't think they called the police until later that after six o'clock yeah like that evening Mm. and I don't know I've never been in that situation before but if I was somewhere with my friends and I'd witnessed that sort of activity knowing those people I probably would have ran for help straight away Mm. and it just I really struggle with understanding that side of things and detecting and then yeah continuing on detecting after they'd heard shots and things like that like it just Mm. doesn't make sense in my mind so young when it happened so I was only 23 and back then I don't think I had the balls to sort of sit down and ask them I'm growing a little bit I would like to one day good for you you Guys were not in court for the evidence, were you? You were witnesses, so you, you didn't hear or see them, did you, give evidence? No. Fiona, did you give evidence as well or was it just Lisa and? No, I did too. I think I was the last one. I think Lisa, Bruce and I. Okay. Right? Prosecutor, in his summing up about the three amigos, he said this, I concede there were inconsistencies. And when I read their evidence, they were all over the place, just like you said, Lisa. I struggle with their evidence. But that's a story for another day. I do have concerns with the evidence, no motive, this continuing declaration of innocence, despite the overwhelming evidence and the no-body, no-parole legislation. I struggle with that. I have not met either Diane or Stephen. They seem to me like bush people with low education, poor social skills. Her in particular. Her particular is low education, social skills. Yep. He's, he's educated. Well, he left school at 15 and and did a trade. I struggle that they would maintain this I didn't do it story in the face of such evidence. And that's one of the reasons I want them asked again by their family. Other stuff that I struggle with, the lack of DNA, the lack of blood on or in Struber's four-wheel drive, the lack of blood on their clothes, on their bodies, in their house. How do two uneducated bush people defy the laws of science? That's one of the questions I have in the back of my mind, and that's one of the things I want want to explore. I'm not suggesting for a moment that they're innocent. They've been convicted. I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there, I have problems with the evidence. 
You're um, not alone. I'm heartened to hear that. I was worried when I drafted what I was going to say to you. You would see me as someone who is campaigning for their innocence, perhaps. I'm not. I just have questions. That's the investigator coming out of me. That is my background. Um, We've been down that road many times too. Like I've been in tears to mum saying, do we have the right people in jail? Are we looking in the wrong spot? What is happening? Because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense is a pretty good summary there, Lisa. Mm. Um, And like I said to you yesterday, somebody knows where Bruce is. Someone definitely knows where Bruce is. Bob Hayden is the ex-Laura policeman, retired, and he's approached you, is that correct? Or he did approach you? Correct. Yeah. Yep. I met him twice on his way up to Palmerville and on his way back. Does he have an opinion on this case? He has the opinion that they didn't do it. The witnesses did it. The Amigos. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't say the three Amigos. We have to say the two. Mm, because Kevin was a long-term friend of, mm. of Bruce. Unless you ladies have questions of me, I'm, I'm done. Let's uh, please stay in touch. Mm-hmm. You you have my contact number. You have my email. I have recently interviewed Tenya, niece of Diane Wilson. There was no obligation on Tenya's part to speak with me, to raise the family dirty laundry, so to speak. Thank you for answering my question, Tenya. Hi, Tenya. How are you? Good, thank you, Graham. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. For those of you who are not aware, Tenya is Diane Wilson's niece. Is that right, Tenya? That's correct, yes. And you've agreed to talk to me about the case. Thank you for that. Can we start by asking your relationship with Diane and Stephen? How was it? Yeah, so uh, Diane and I have always been very close. Diane's uh, six out of eight siblings and she's always been like a sister, um, older sister, aunt, mother figure. Yeah, and we've been always pretty close. There's been times that Diane and I hadn't talked so much because family and work got busy, yeah. Did you used to visit them in the property or just on the phone or how, what was the relationship? Uh, both. So growing yep. up, um, I used to go out on holiday, school holidays as often as I could. I loved going out to spend time with Diane and um, Grandma, Grandad. Um, and when my kids could go, we went out with those with the kids as well, my husband. So, When did you meet Stephen Struber? So I was a young teenager, that okay. my recollection, yeah. What was your relationship with him? I never I never had an issue with him or anything. I, um, we'd sit and have dinner at the table or he'd always be busy working. There was no relationship sure. or friendship yeah. or anything like that, yeah. You never saw any uh, violence or anything between them? Never, never, uh, yep. I, yeah. Have you discussed the murder and conviction with Diane? I have. I've asked Diane as soon as um, I had a chance to speak to her, and she said she was there was no way she would do something like that. And growing up with Diane, she was a very soft type person with animals and even insects. We'd be in the house, and if there was an insect or anything, instead of squishing it and killing it, she would walk go outside and shoo it away because it had a right to live and. 
that's you would have heard by now that she had a lot of dogs and that's one of the reasons she had a lot of the dogs is because she couldn't if they gotten pups she couldn't put them down or anything like that she said they deserved to live so Stephen didn't have that same view though did he well I, ne- I didn't see anything um violent like or anything against animals or people or I've read and heard that whether it was he or they used to shoot stray dogs on the property because they were a threat to the cattle. Do you know anything about that? I think you'll find a lot of station owners probably do that because if they're pulling the cattle down, yeah, Mm. that's the livelihood. Yeah, Yeah. that's fair. I've never seen anything. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Like that. Do you speak to Diane now? I do. She rings me maybe once every month or every six weeks. Do you ever visit her or is it just telephone conversation? I have visited. Um, I just don't get down to Townsville that often to to visit. When when was the last time you visited her? Uh, Maybe two years ago. But you speak to her about once a month or six weeks or so. That's right, yeah. And she's in contact with with one of my my other aunties as well. And we've got a a Facebook messenger that we... Always write up to each other what Diane's doing or Saturday. Mm. When was the last time you actually ever spoke with Diane about the murder or the conviction? Do you think? Um, probably when they were convicted. When they went to jail. You have so you, it hasn't been raised really since then with with no, you because I don't believe no because I don't believe they did it. When you last spoke with her, what you asked her if she was guilty. I said, oh, I asked her what happened, and she or she told me that she had been working with cattle and whatnot on the day, and she'd been um, the police had arrested them or and yeah. You're aware of the no no body no parole legislation. I am, I am, and I feel if Diane and Steve had something, they've lost everything. They've lost absolutely everything that's important to them. If they knew where the body was, what would be stopping them now from coming forward and saying where where he is? When you say they've lost everything, what what do you mean? Well, the property was very important to Diane and Steve. Diane in particular, that was a family property and it was really important to her. So for her to lose it, there's nothing left. She doesn't have kids, so she's got us as as family, but Mm. she doesn't have anything else. Does Diane have any idea where perhaps uh, Bruce Shuler's remains may be? I've not asked, but I, and I don't think so. Otherwise, she would have come forward and said something. She's not one to beat her in the bush with that type of stuff. Diane made a phone call to Palmerville while staying with you. Yes. Remember that? I do. That conversation or that phone call was very 
in my view anyway, was very incriminating for her. It was. Did you discuss um, that with her? I did, and I was quite um, upset that she actually did that because of this result. Um, and she said she didn't tell me what she was doing. She just said she needed to make a phone call, um, and she didn't. She said she didn't want to bring me into it, and that because the phone call she was told me she was making was to Stephen's friends to let him let them know that he was she was okay. Yeah. So, and then when I said, "Well, why did you say? Why did you ring Palmerville?" and she said, "Well, I wanted them to look where the prospectors would have been." And she was referring to the crocodile. That's right. Apparently, yes. Because um, a week beforehand, I, I've heard that there was issues between Diane and Steve and Bidner and Anderson, and Bidner had threatened Diane at the time, and Diane had rung my one of my other aunts and said, "Look, if something goes wrong, if there's any problems." Bidner's threatened us. So, and that was a week before all this had gone. Diane made an interesting comment, or was alleged to have made an interesting comment. This was the comment that the police officer said that Diane made. It's the comment that was accepted by the court as being made. And it was, I have someone that was involved. Okay, I don't know. It's a weird comment. I would have sort of thought, I know someone that was involved but I have someone that was involved. Yeah, that is strange, but I don't know. Did, did you I, attend I, the trial? I did after I gave my... Um, after you gave your evidence. Evidence, yes. Yeah. So you were aware that there was a phone call, but you weren't aware of the contents? No. Robert Reed wrote a, wrote a book. He did. <laughs> have you read it? I have. It's not... Our family haven't been researched or the information in there isn't correct about a lot of our family. Sure. Um, and I didn't read it all because, it, yeah, I didn't like what was written in there because it wasn't correct. Right. Information wasn't accurate. That's right. He stated he spoke to many people who said that Stephen and sometimes Diane threatened them or threatened them with a gun. Can you tell me what you know about those allegations? I have heard, and I don't know um, exactly I've heard that, but I've also heard that they had been, there was allegations that they had been going up towards Maytown to where the prospectors, where prospectors had been on a four-wheeler and threatening them, yet Diane and Steve don't own a four-wheeler. They've never had a four-wheeler on the property while they were there, so I don't know how that could. I do know, Steve, um, if you asked him for permission to go onto the property, if you asked him to go fishing and stuff, there Steve and Diane, there was never an issue with that. Mm. But to trespass would be, yeah, you, you need, to, you, and that's with anybody. It's like going into your backyard and camping and not asking. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of people who came forward to say that uh, they threatened them and that Diane was carrying a gun. I don't know. What do you think happened to Bruce Shuler? I feel that the prospectors or the friends that he was with have been doing something and Bruce has witnessed it whether it be drugs or whatever, doing something wrong, and they've found an opportunity to get rid of him and also blame Diane and Steve to set, set them up to um, take the fall for it so that they got rid of them as well off the property. Do you know the prospectors that were involved? No, I don't. Are you aware of any other evidence that has come out since the trial in relation to this case, Tenya? No. I um I did walk up the gully where he had Bruce had supposed to have been shot, 
and with the police, two police detectives and my uncle because there was still some evidence on the, in the gully. There was like matches and things like that and there was no significant blood splatter or, or anything like that that if he had been shot by a gun and he'd run up the hill, up the gully like the detective had said, you heat it up, your body's pumping, there'd be blood, more blood splatter. But it wasn't there. Yeah, there's only minute amount of blood recovered. Well, one of the the prospectors, um, Kevin Groth, says that he knows guns and it was a high-powered gun that was shot. If he'd been shot by a high-powered gun, wouldn't there be more blood? Wouldn't there? I I don't know. I'm not a... Can you provide the names of anyone else I should talk to who may have information on what happened to Bruce Shuler? I don't know of anyone who would know beside the prospectors. Anything else you'd like to tell me? No, <laughs> not that I can think of. I don't, yeah, I know probably after this finish I'm going to say, oh, I should have said this, but, yeah, I, I don't think they did it. So, and even when we waited, the jury went out and we were waiting, we asked Diane, what happens if this goes wrong? She said it won't. We didn't do anything wrong. So they didn't have a plan for anything if it had to try and appeal it or anything because... They didn't believe they were going to go because they didn't do it. And she continues to maintain that position. Definitely. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. Oh, oh, the other question I wanted to, oh, I thought I'd bring up, is why would they go up near the homestead, within a kilometre of the homestead, if they were so scared of Diane and Steve? Why would they risk that if that was how they felt, if they were so frightened of what Diane and Steve would do and they're supposed to have told Kevin to run for his life if they saw he saw Diane and Steve or a vehicle, why would you do that? Waving <laughs> a, a red flag at a bull. Well, if that's how you felt, yeah. And, mm, exactly, yeah. yeah. And then I understand that after the, the shooting supposed to have happened, they went prospecting. They didn't go back and ring police, They and I may be wrong, if I saw my friend or anybody, it wouldn't have, even have to be a friend. If I saw anybody that was shot at or shot, I'd be ringing triple zero as soon as I could. Their position is that they didn't know whether he'd been shot or not. They just heard shots. But, but you, wouldn't you still then ring triple zero? Well, I think you'd do something rather than keep prospecting. <laughs> Would you leave a, a note for him to say, call me when you're, you're back or whatever it was that he'd supposed they're supposed to have left? Unusual circumstances. That's all I have for you, Tanya. Yeah, I'm um, sorry I don't have what. And I, um, yeah, like I said with the phone call, he, um, she said that she did it so that she said didn't tell me the truth, because she didn't want to get me involved, and that she was trying mm. to get them to look where Bidner and Anderson had been. The Diane aware of podcast is happening. Yes, as far as I know, she is. Would you now call her for me, please? Not today. I can't. No, I can't call her. I can get a message to her, and I don't know that she can call because she's got to have your number in her no, no, system. No, 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 I, I can't talk to her under the legislation. I'm wondering if you would call her at some point. I can get her to call me, yeah. Or get her to call you and advise her that there is a podcast happening. Yeah. And I guess just say Graham Crowley is interested to know whether she continues to maintain her innocence as at. November 2023. Okay. No worries. 
yeah, I'll get on to I don't know how long it will take, but somebody who speaks to her one once a week or twice a week, depending whether she rings myself or her sisters. It doesn't necessarily have to be you, I guess, you, uh, you know, as long as someone asks her that uh, question, Tanya. Okay, yep. I think it's just a valid question. The listeners to the podcast will definitely be asking that question themselves. What's their current position? Do they still maintain that? Yes. And so I'd like to be able to give them that answer. Certainly. I can um, I can find out. Well, I'm pretty sure she'll be still saying she's innocent, but I will um, get that from her, yeah. Well, thanks for your time today, Tanya. Thank you. I have also interviewed Elaine, sister to Stephen Struber, and she had this to say. Elaine, thanks for talking to me today. Graham, that's fine, yep. Are you in contact with your brother, Stephen? Yes, Graham. I probably talk with Stephen between one and two times a month. Each phone call he maintains his innocence. Right. Do other members of the family talk to him? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, there's a couple that do because they're only allowed 10 phone contacts. Yeah. Um, the family, the whole family maintain, and we fully believe that he is innocent and just unjustly sentenced. Right. He's in a difficult situation because without a body, uh, he will never be released from prison. That's right. Has he suggested to you who may have killed um, Bruce Shuler? No, he's never suggested who. He's always maintained he was never there. He's found lots of holes in the evidence against him. And let's remember all of this is circumstantial and there's only a few things at the end of the day that convicted him and a lot of them were taken away by the time he hit the high court. So yeah. it's really, the evidence is not really there that's convicted him. Yes, it's a difficult situation. It is, and it's very hard to help. It's just three people's word against two. That's what it basically comes down to. True. I hadn't looked and, at it that way, but that's correct, yeah. Yeah, and hopefully we're, you know, each and every day we're getting closer to the truth. And the family would love closure for Bruce Shuler's family, but I just think the police looked in the wrong direction. Hmm. Yeah. What's happening now? What does a what does the family do? Well, that's a hard one. Um, Stephen's constantly writing letters to different ones in higher position, trying to show where. Um, the wrong evidence, um, holes in the evidence, but it seems to just hit a brick wall and, and no one answers him back. I think as far as everyone concerned, the jury convicted him and that's it. And they haven't really looked at all the evidence and taken that into consideration. Yes, you probably don't understand um, the legal situation, Elaine, as, as most people don't. It's, it's a new territory for us. We've, you know, we've always been law-abiding citizens, really, and this is a total new territory. A jury verdict, particularly in a, in a Supreme Court case like a murder, I can assure you is extremely difficult to overturn. The system is built around the jury system and the fact that the, everyone 
has to believe in the jury system. So it's very, very difficult to overturn a jury conviction. Unfortunately, that's what families of Stephen and Diane are up against. Yes. Yeah, we are. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it because it must be very difficult uh, being in the position where you believe your brother is innocent and yet he's been found guilty and facing this situation. So I appreciate your time, Elaine. No worries at all, Graham, and thank you very much for doing the podcast. The Shulers desperately want Bruce home. They want to give him a proper burial and hopefully have some closure. Completely understandable. I was unaware Lisa had written to both Stephen Struber and Diane Wilson until she mentioned it to me in passing. I thought you needed to hear what she had to say. It says it all, really. I was struck by the honesty, the raw emotion. Morning, ladies. Thank you again for joining me. I'm here with Lisa and Fiona. Hi, Graham. How are you? Well, thanks. Lisa, you've told me that you wrote to both Stephen Struber and Diane Wilson. Yeah, so I wrote to them the start of 2022. So it was coming up to the 10-year mark and I was at my wit's end and I didn't know what to do and I needed something to do, so I just figured why not? They can only not reply or reply. So you wrote to Stephen and what happened? No reply. And you wrote to Diane as well? I wrote to Diane and bugger me, she actually wrote back, which was a shock. But What did you put in your letter to her? Read it out to you if you like. Sure. Diane, I've wondered what to say to you for nearly 10 years now and I still don't know what to say. I believe you and Stephen are up for parole soon. And I don't know if it's been explained to you, but there is a new law that if you were to tell us where you left dad's body, you would be eligible for parole. If you don't tell us, then you have no chance of freedom at all. I need you to tell us where dad's body is for myself and my family to lay him to rest and so we can say a proper goodbye. I want you to think about what a father is to you, your father. Do you think he would be proud of you at this moment? your God, the Holy Father, or any other father figures you have had in your life. I want you to put yourself in my shoes. My father was my safe place. He was my happiness and kindness in human form. Without him, I'm scared, alone, sad, and in a constant state of depression. I'm tired, Diane. I'm tired of trying to live my life without my father. I'm tired of putting on a brave face when really I just want to hide and cry. I ask myself every day why God would allow this to happen. Please, Diane, please just do this for me and my family. Please tell us where my dad's body is. If you don't know and you weren't there, just like you and Stephen said, then where is he? You must know something, anything. Signed, Lisa. Sorry. You need to take a break. I'm okay. And 
she actually replied to you, didn't she? She did reply. Maybe I'll get Mum to read it out. Yeah, that's fine. That's probably a good idea, Lisa. <laughs> Diane's reply was this on the 16th of the 8th, 2022. Dear Lisa Shuler, thank you for writing to me. My apologies for not answering sooner. I would like to say I'm not the crazy person people say I am. I appreciate how confronting it must be for you to write to me. I did not shoot your father, and if I did, I would have said so from the start. There are persons out there that are, that know what happened, and as far as I know, some are still on the property. These people are not poor prospectors, miners, that they innocently claim to be. The persons have been trafficking drug internationally for around this area forever, for over 35 years. They use mining and prospecting as a cover and avoid them when they were as much as possible because we feared for our own safety. Oh, we would avo always avoid them. When somebody reported them to the police, they confronted and threatened us saying they were going to sort us out because they believed it was us. The question remains unanswered as to who actually reported them and enraged them. These same individuals also began to chase tourists off our property, claiming ownership and threatening them with firearms. As a result, as legit owners were accused of this conduct despite having no part of it. These individuals would travel around the property in four-wheel drives, including one which closely resembles our own. Only days after the incident on the 9th of July, their vehicle was parked up on the property with a water pump in the back. I noted the only difference from ours that it had wider tyres. Another vehicle had its tyres changed right after the incident despite being an active investigation. Another point I have noted is that despite having a satellite phone with them, the individuals with your father waited nine hours before reporting anything to the police. I would think that any normal person would have called the police immediately. Lisa, I sincerely regret that I am unable to help you find your father. You have my deepest sympathies for the loss and trauma you have experienced as a result of his disappearance. I believe we both need closure, and if I ever find out anything that could provide answers needed, I will not hesitate to contact the police and yourself. Sincerely, Diane Drebber Wilson. So she's maintaining the line that they were not involved and they did not commit the murder and... I weren't there, didn't do it. Mm. So as a result of that, Lisa, you wrote to her again, didn't you? Yeah, I wrote back on Father's Day. Dear Diane, thank you for writing back to me. I'm very pleased you did. You mentioned you need closure also. 
and I hope that means you will continue to speak with me. The most important question I have for you is, would you be able to help us with where to search for dad? We really need to bring him home for a proper send-off and closure. I figure you have lived on Palmerville longer than anyone, so you would know the land better than anyone. If I was somehow able to arrange for you to get leave, would you come up to Palmerville and show us where would be a good place to look? It sounds far-fetched, but in my mind it works. You would be able to see your home again, and you mentioned everyone thinks you are crazy, so this would be the perfect opportunity to show the world the person you really are. I was only 23 years old when I lost my dad, so the shock of losing someone so loving and innocent left me in a very dark place of not trusting anyone and hating the world. It's not a nice way to live. It's scary and lonely. I have so many questions for you, Diane. I often wonder what prison life is like for you. Have you fought to get out? Don't you want your freedom? Don't you want to go home? Don't you miss Stephen? Don't you want to give him a hug? Don't you miss your dogs and your family? I'm still very unsure of a lot of things in this world, but the one thing I am sure of is that I'm so sad that my dad chose to go on that trip. He wouldn't have been in that gully on that day and he would still be here being the most perfect loving grandfather to my children and my nephews. We miss him so much every day, but growing a family without him is what hurts me the most. Today is Father's Day. It's not a good day anymore. Thank you again for your reply. I can't stress enough how much we need to bring Dad home. Ten years without him is ten years too long. I hope to hear from you soon. Signed, Lisa. And did Diane write back to you? No. So you haven't had any contact with her since Father's Day 2022? Yeah. The letter she wrote back, or the letter signed by Diane, we find it very hard to believe that she actually wrote it because it's quite well written for someone they claim to be so uneducated. Um, It's very neat. The handwriting's very neat for someone that hasn't learned to read or write as a child. We have a theory that either someone's helped her, like a roommate has written it for her, um, or somebody else has written it. We don't know. It was addressed from the prison, though. Bob Hayden, the former Laura policeman who you know, were you aware he actually uh, visited Diane in prison in 2019? Yep, I was. I've got here... um, some comments by Bob Hayden, and he wrote that he visited her on Saturday, the 21st September 2019 at Townsville Correctional Centre, and he said, Diane, I want to tell you right from the start, there is nothing you can tell me that can make matters any worse for you. You are here in jail for your natural life unless Bruce Shuler's remains are located or some new and vital evidence is discovered. So I want to tell you that I'm not here to tell you any lies or bullshit to you. Any questions you ask me, I will tell you the truth, and I want you to do the same for me. 
Diane said, that is exactly what I want. I want the truth to be known. They discussed what her and um, Stephen did on the, the day of the 19th, which I won't go into at this point. But towards the end, she said, please tell Bruce Shuler's widow that I pray for her every night and I pray she will find her husband. But Steve and I did not do it. Bob said, I will do that, Diane. Look after yourself. Diane was crying when he left. I am confused that this woman continues to maintain her innocence after this period of time. Bizarre. It raises lots of questions. It does raise lots of questions. That suggestion you made, Lisa, to have her taken out of the prison and maybe show police, I I think that's an excellent suggestion. You should raise it with your local member. They could raise it. It can be done. It will be done. If we can, if she says yes to that, Mm. um, we have um, the detective will organise it. It's an, I think it's an excellent suggestion. Uh, From what I've read, they did a, a very extremely thorough search of the station, all the mining shafts, all the dams. The SES did a grid pattern search. So there has been a thorough search done, but maybe she can point places that they wouldn't, they didn't know about or didn't search. So I strongly encourage you. Um, so the the ball has been put back into her court, basically, yeah, with yeah. that letter, last letter that Lisa said. Mm. Um, the detective has he will organise it as long, as soon as she says yes, he will organise it. It has now been over eleven years since Bruce's disappearance, and more than eight years since Struber and Wilson were convicted of his murder. Plenty of time for Stephen Struber and Diane Wilson to consider their bleak future. Plenty of time to decide whether they wish to die in prison or perhaps see the outside world sometime before they die. Stephen Struber has apparently always refused to talk. Diane Wilson maintains her innocence and that of her husband's. A wife's loyalty, perhaps. I decided I wanted to speak with relatives and see if they have discussed the matter with the convicted murderers directly. To see if they have changed their position. Those questions have now been answered or are in the process of being answered. As I commented in the last episode, I am confident there are people listening to this podcast who have some information as to the whereabouts of Bruce Shuler. If you have a conscience, perhaps you can give the Shuler family a long overdue Christmas present. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Bruce Shuler's remains or know someone who does, I urge you to message his widow, Fiona, or make contact through the Facebook page, Justice for Bruce. Alternatively, you can contact me at my Facebook page, Graham Crowley Podcast Investigations, or to my email, graham5353 at live.com. That's G-R-A-E-M-E 5353. If you wish to remain anonymous, you can be absolutely assured your details will remain hidden. If you follow the podcast, you will be advised when a further episode is released. Please join me in episode three, Wolf Creek, where I continue to explore this crime. I plan to drop that episode in one week. 
Please rate and review the podcast. It does help raise the visibility of the podcast for others who follow true crime podcasts and may have an interest in the case. Please tell your family and friends. This podcast was made possible with the grateful assistance of the ACAST Creator Network. Music by Janet G. If you feel so inclined, you can support me for the one-off cost of a cup of coffee. You'll find all my contact details in the show notes at the end of each episode. Thanks again for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.